0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. It's really big. It's getting bigger and bigger. And bigger kind of this has got to be much, much, much bigger. The biggest boom. This is probably the biggest thing I ever got into. That's big, big, big. The Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Pulos starts now. We can't give him this much power in the cartoon world. The podcast, and I was told that if I did your podcast that I would, you know, advance to the next level. And we're podcasting and photographizing in front of the great The worst gigs of their life are are because of Mark (laughs) Pulos. Anyone want a husband? Free free to a home. Now it doesn't even have to be a good home, just free to a home. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre the Giant would like to do his impression of Willie Nelson. Suck yourself dry! Oh Alright. Hello folks and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm Mark Poulos. Thanks for tuning back in. Today on the podcast, I'm gonna just run through some of my favorite road stories I've ever heard in my entire career. You know, it's a, it's a rare thing, you know, and it's, it's it's kind of a fun thing. You know, when a bunch of comedians get together, you just start talking about, you know, the toughest gigs of your career and the best gigs and the weirdest stuff that's happened to you out on the road, and, you know, it's kind of a bonding thing, you know, it's like, I'm sure it's that way with anything, you know, like, Air Force guys probably get together and shoot the shit and talk about their stories, dentists probably get together and shoot the shit, so it's like, whatever your path is when you're with those people that, uh, that share that path, you know, you just start telling stories so these are probably some of the best ones I've ever heard uh being a comedian and I don't know I'm pretty sure I've told like every story that's happened to me out on the road but there was uh there was one story I was thinking about that uh I don't know if I ever told it on the podcast, and it's by far, like, the weirdest thing that I've ever been a part of, as far as a comedian goes, I was, uh, I would say weird, but it was just kind of strange, and it was, like, dangerous, and just shocking, you know, I was up in Canada, I was working for uh, Yuck Yucks. And it was Saturday early... Sh- oh, and it was busy, and I was sitting in the back of the room with four other comics, and we were shooting the shit, telling stories like you usually do, and and uh, I just heard this guy raising his voice, and it's just weird. Like, sometimes when you hear somebody raising their voice, you're just like, ah, oh, this guy's pissed off, or he's drunk, or whatever. But it had, like, a different tone to it, like... Shit was about to happen. So it's like louder and louder. I couldn't hear exactly what he was saying. And then all I heard was him scream, Fuck you. And then I heard a whizzing sound. And I looked up. And like one of those heavy like pint glasses was like whizzing towards all of us sitting in the back of the room. And we like dove in different directions. And the glass hit the wall behind us and just like shattered like glass down over all of us And this guy of course got detained and arrested And I had like this little cut on my hand And they started freaking out that I had gotten cut by the glass And I was going to sue the hotel or the comedy club or whatever And at that time I'd only been doing stand-up for like three years So I'm like, yeah I'm going to sue like one of the only comedy clubs That's actually working me right now But they were just like you know, taking care of me and making sure that I wasn't going to file a lawsuit, and uh, it was just so odd, like, how fast that turned into, like, something dangerous, and when I found out afterwards, like, why he was so pissed off, it just made me laugh, I was just like, what a little baby, you know, so basically what happened was, it was his wife's birthday, and he had called and tried to get front row reservations for the comedy show, and they said, that's perfectly fine. Um, but they have a policy at the club that if you're not there 15 minutes to showtime, the reservations are released and you just basically kind of get what's left. So he obviously showed up. The show started at like 8 and he showed up at like 5 to 8. And so he got shitty seats and he got all mad and he threw. And the craziest part was with the pine glass, so the manager of the comedy club was this lady named Linda, and she was talking to them, to this guy and his wife, mostly the guy, because he was pissed off, Um, and she just told him, like, this is the policy, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do, these are the best seats that we have right now, I'm really sorry, and she walked away, when this fucking, like, 11-year-old was throwing the pint glass at her head. I mean, think about that. If he had connected with her head, she for sure would have died or been, like, seriously injured. And it's just like, wow, how fast that turned, you know? And I think the worst part of the whole thing was, so that, that all went down five minutes to eight. So it was all this commotion, and then right when 8 o'clock hits, like... The opening music starts for the comedy show. Where it's like, comedy show, comedy show. And everybody's just like looking around in horror, like, are we canceling this? Like, this guy almost killed somebody and he was just like wrestled out of the room. But the show must go on. It always goes on, you know? And, uh, basically, I think the, uh, The best five stories that I've ever heard uh, from the road, funny enough, happened to only two comedians. I mean, well, the story, there are different people involved, but it's always these two comedians that seem to be at the heart of the best road stories that I've ever heard. One of them is the Fry Guy, and the other one is Dobie Maxwell, who between of them have five of the greatest road stories I've ever heard in my entire life. So we'll get into it. So, uh, I'll tell you one of the... I'll bounce back and forth, because I don't want to do it. I'll do it like top five style, like best, uh, you know, the, the final story is the best story. So the Fry guy, he's a comic. I feel like he's out of Chicago or somewhere. And he's you know, this rough-and-tumble guy from the back streets, he's older, he's like in his late 50s, and drinks like a fish, and smokes, he's got that raspy voice, and I've never worked with him. I, I I did meet him later on after all these stories happened, and I'll, and I'll kind of tell you about that too, but, so he was working with a good friend of mine, Nick Anthony, and they were uh, doing a handful of gigs together, I think it was like three gigs and this was early on when Nick started out. And apparently the guy was kinda of treating him like a dick. He was calling him opener. He wasn't even using his name and like bossing him around, asking him to pick up his bag and all this shit. And of course Nick was telling him to go fuck himself and apparently the whole tour he kept commenting that that these were like his last gigs as a road comic. That on Monday he was going to start a real job And and give up the dream or whatever So they go place to place And there's just all these problems between them And and Nick is just not a fan of this Fry Guy He thinks he's a total dick, which I can understand So they get to this one gig And Fry Guy is notorious for drinking Like a ton of alcohol Before he goes on stage, apparently a Long Island iced tea is his, uh, drink of choice, so he's, uh, drinking, 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 and, and Nick goes on stage, and he starts doing his act, and he gets about 25 minutes into his act, and he gets a napkin, and he looks at it, and on the napkin, it says, uh, the headliner fell down in the parking lot, and, like, broke his arm and knocked a few teeth out and he's going to the hospital. So do as much time as you can and just close the show or whatever. So Nick's like, holy shit, what happened? So he's going and going and going, trying to fill as much time as he can. And then he gets another napkin that says, uh, the headliner refused to go to the hospital and he, he's now demanding to get on stage So wrap up or whatever So apparently, like in the scheme of things This was supposedly like his last show ever And he obviously wanted to go on stage and, and do it I think mostly because he wanted to get his money Like he knew if he didn't step on stage They, they weren't going to pay him So he had been out in the parking lot, like, all drunk, like, smoking, and he tripped over one of those uh, cement things at the front of a parking spot and just fucking went down like a sack of of potatoes and fucking broke his arm, knocked a couple teeth out, and he was all scratched and bloodied and shit. And he literally went on stage and, like, tried to do as much stand-up as he could in excruciating pain, his arm was like... In a fucking sling, he told the ambulance that he was gonna go to the hospital after the show. So he finishes what what uh, what he considers his comedy act, and Nick started feeling bad for him. He's like, you know, let me let me give you a ride over the hospital, man. And uh, they were driving over there, and and he was like emotional, I guess, and like apologizing to Nick about being a dick to him and he was like ain't this a bitch my last show ever he goes i feel like the universe is trying to tell me something he's like yeah no shit so that that guy the the second story from him is by far like one of my favorite stories i've ever heard about a comedian on the road because it's just so ridiculous um but I did, I did meet this guy at some point. I think it was like a year or two ago when I was at the uh, Funny Bone in Columbus, Ohio. He was there showcasing. So apparently the, his last show ever didn't last too long. And that happens a lot in the comedy business. You know, guys, they're in the business for like 10, 15 years. And nothing's really cooking for them. And, and you know, they got a family at home. So they just decided to... You know, hang it up and and get a real job, and of course, then they go back to the real job and realize how shitty real jobs are, and they're like, "Fuck this! I'm going back on the road." And so I met up with him at the Columbus Funny Bone, and he was like every bit what I thought he was going to be. He was wearing like a Chicago Blackhawks jersey going on stage. He was like missing a few fingers. apparently somebody had said that he got all drunk and was lighting fireworks off and blew two of his fingers off which is insanely ridiculous but uh so Dobie maxwell is the other guy such great stories about being on the road i was actually there for like one of them and we were uh We were working one-liners in indianapolis and while he was on stage i don't know what it is if it's his demeanor his material but he like invites a lot of hecklers like people love to heckle him on stage and yell shit out and i don't know what that is but he's doing his show and this and this like really fat guy was like yelling at him and at some point he said uh he said why don't, why don't you shut your mouth or something like that and he was like go fuck yourself and he goes well I just fucked your mom or something like that and he goes my mom's been dead for like five years and he goes oh yeah I know I dug her up and fucked her and then put her back in the ground upside down or something like that and this guy got so fucking angry that they had to like drag him out of the comedy club and after the show uh, I think Dobie kind of knew the score so he was like uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure this guy's gonna try to kill me, so I'm gonna go out the back door and and I'll see you later. And and yeah, like the door's open to the comedy club, and and he came like just fucking barreling in, looking for him. He's like, "Where is he? Where is he?" And I was like, "I think he's gone." He's like, "Fuck you! You're 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 he's hiding somewhere," you know. And it was just like so terrifying. I was like, "What the fuck, man?" But he kind of invites this stuff on him, like this this other story. So he had gotten a gig down in, uh, I believe it was Alabama, where the Crimson Tide is, Roll Tide, or whatever that thing is. So uh, he had gotten a gig down there, and right around the time that he got this gig, uh, like the legendary coach for the football team down there, Bear Bryant, had died, which is pertinent to the story. So... He's doing a show, and, and a guy told him before he went on stage, he was like, if you're having a rough time, uh, just say Roll Tide, you know, and then they'll cheer, and, and they'll get back on your side. So he's like, oh, okay, thanks for the tip or whatever. So he's doing his thing, and it's kind of wavering. So he was like, Roll Tide, and they cheered and whatever, and he's doing his thing again, and it's wavering. So he says Roll Tide. The second time he says it, some guy stands up, and he's like, Stop saying "roll tide," motherfucker. You're not from around here. And then he uh, threw a beer bottle at his head, and it just missed hitting him in the face. So he got pissed off, obviously, and he just like started unleashing this like tirade on the crowd, you know, calling them backwoods hicks and and uh, fucking their sisters and cousins and whatever. And he and he decides to wrap up the tirade. <laughs> with, uh, and after the show, I'm going to dig beer, Brian up and fuck him in the ass or something like that. And, uh, and then he just dropped the microphone and he left the stage and he kind of assumed that he wasn't going to get paid. So he just went to his room and started packing and he was in this room for like 10 minutes and somebody knocked on his door and he looked out the people and it was the manager, and like two police officers <laughs> and Dovey opened the door and he's like what's going on and he goes uh, "He goes, well here's your check and he goes and these gentlemen are going to escort you out to your car and to the state line because they going to kill you and he was like alright packs up all this shit and gets escorted out of the, to, the, to the state line or whatever the fuck it was Flash forward like a couple months, he's like doing a gig, he gets a call from his buddy And he goes, hey man, I'm doing this gig down in whatever it was, Danville, Alabama He goes, what the fuck did you do down here? And he goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, well they've got your headshot over the bar With a sign that says, if you see this man, kill on sight <laughs> And he had to tell him the story And uh, pretty fucking funny uh, so, as far as the other uh, Fryman story, it's just hilarious. So, he was working with another friend of mine, Richie Holiday, and they were doing a string of gigs together. And he could kind of tell that this guy was a little off, you know, so he was giving him his distance, you know. So, they do this one gig, it's like the winner in a small minnesota town the gig didn't go really that well so after the show richie's like i'm kind of hungry i'm gonna go to this restaurant a couple blocks down the road and fry guy's like i'll come with you so they started walking to the restaurant and they passed this strip club so he's like hey before we go eat let's let's hit the strip club and Richie's like, ah, it's not really my thing I don't really feel like going in the strip club I'll meet you at the restaurant or whatever So Fry Guy goes into the strip club And Richie goes down to the restaurant And he just kind of Orders some food And he's waiting for the Fry Guy to show up And here comes the Fry Guy walking in With two of the like Most disgusting strippers You've ever seen in your life Like 40s Teeth missing Just like cellulite everywhere And what could only be described as their pimp, he comes and sits down with Richie and the and the two girls and the pimp like sit in a in a booth like across from where they are. And he goes, "Hey, man." He goes, "I just uh, I got these two chicks. They're gonna let us fuck them in the ass for fifty apiece." And Richie's like, "No, that's okay. Uh, I don't I don't think I want to do that." And he was like, "Come on, man! I've already worked this deal. It's already set to go." And he's like, "Well, I, I appreciate you making a deal for me for ass sex, but I don't, I don't really want to do it." And then, uh, I guess the 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 pimp like overheard the conversation. And he was like, "So we don't have a deal?" And he's like, "No, we've got a deal. I just got to talk him into it." You know? And they went back and forth, and then. Then there was some argument between the fry guy and the pimp and Richie was just like, this I I can't deal with this anymore. So he just slides out of the booth and leaves the restaurant. And he's just kind of standing outside, like trying to figure out how he's gonna get back to the uh how he's gonna get back to the hotel. And uh so the fry guy comes out and, and the pimp and the hookers are all pissed off and they storm away. The fry guy's like all fucking pissed off, and for some reason, he just starts making snowballs <clears throat> and he starts throwing them at two Chinese people that are riding bicycles. I know it just sounds insane. He just starts throwing snowballs at Chinese people on bicycles, and Richie's like, What is happening? And right as he's doing that, a cop car drives by, and he's like, Jeez, it's the cop, and he just starts running down the middle of the street and the police car is like creeping right behind him because he's a bigger guy he's not he's not pulling any kind of heavy speeds and they're right behind him and apparently they got on the megaphone and they were like sir can you please stop running and uh so he stops running he gets out and richie kind of explains what's going on he said he's drunk and He's a comedian, and he's taking care of him, take him back to the hotel if if they just kind of let it go. And and apparently they were kind of cool. They were like, yeah, it's fine, just take him back to the hotel. And and so they go back to the hotel, and it's like a one level hotel. The fry guy's all drunk, and he's like, hey man, let's hang out. What room are you in? And Richie's like, I'm in four forty four. It's like a one-level hotel, and the, and the fry guy's like, oh, all right, whatever. So apparently when they had checked into the hotel, the lady at the front desk was uh, a younger girl, I guess, and she was pretty nice. She said, you know, it was like a small-town hotel, and she said, we've got uh, a bunch of juice and milk down here that we put out for the continental breakfast, and if you guys get, like, thirsty at all and you want any of it, just come down here and I'll, I'll give you a couple juices or whatever. And I guess it got to be like 2 in the morning and Richie had woke up and he was thirsty and there was no vending machines in the hotel so he decided to head down to get like a milk or a juice or whatever. And he goes down there and like the fry guy is like banging the front desk girl behind the counter and uh, Richie like is like, what? And the girl's like... She doesn't even kind of, like, flinch at the fact that he's, like, having sex with her. And she's like, oh, did you want a juice? It's right over here. <laughs> and she's like, that's okay. Come to find out that the, the next day, because he was like, what the hell, fry guy? How the hell did that come about? And he goes, well, I went down to get a milk. And uh, I said, uh, I got 200 bucks cash if you'll let me have sex with you. And she said, okay. I was like, oh, my God. Is everybody in the small town a prostitute? Like, what the hell? But yeah, that story always makes me laugh, thinking about him running down the street in the police car, like, creeping right behind him, and like, sir, can you please stop running? And why is he throwing snowballs at Chinese people on bicycles? I mean, absolutely the most ridiculous story I've ever heard in my life. So the final story that... Uh, I've got for you on this podcast is also uh, involving Dobie Maxwell which is I think by far one of the greatest stories I've ever heard as far as like comedic justice and payback. So Dobie was traveling the country in a fucking Geo Metro doing stand-up and uh, he was driving through the winter at some point hit a patch of ice, like, hit a truck, his car flipped, and he crashed it, and he ended up breaking his sternum in two places. And I don't know if you know the sternum, but that is the hardest bone in the body, and he broke it in two places. So, obviously laid up in the hospital for quite a bit, and being a comedian did not have uh, medical insurance or anything like that. So, what his friends did is, at his home club, they decided to have a benefit show for him. And I'm going to keep the names and places of this story a little vague because the guy that I'm going to be talking about is uh, kind of a scary dude and uh, is connected, so I don't need any backlash. but uh, So Adobe's Home Club, the guy who owned it and ran it was like, kind of a, uh, a tough dude, man. He was, like, part of some organizations. Like I said, has some connections. Just a, just a really imposing, terrifying gent. Anyways, uh, definitely not winning any Saint of the Year awards. So his friends have this benefit show at the club, and I think they sold tickets for, like, 25 bucks a piece and they did two shows and both of them were like sold out you know so his friends from the that did the show were coming by the hospital kind of giving him some hope like we killed it like two sold out shows it was a blast like you're gonna get uh, a ton of cash and blah 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 and uh so he's excited like waiting with bated breath for this uh this tough guy to show up from the comedy club with his money, and he handed him an envelope, and he said, oh, thank you so much, and inside the envelope was something like $17.80 or something like that, and he was like, what the fuck is this? And he goes, well, that's what's left after uh, after I, I took the money out for my... Uh, my side, like for his weight staff and his product and, and his expenses. And Dobie was like, go fuck yourself, you know, and crumbled up the envelope and threw it in his face and told him to get the fuck out of there. So it kind of obviously stuck in his side as a thorn for quite a long time. And I don't know how soon it was after that. I, I feel like it was within a couple of years he got word that this tough guy that ran the comedy club ended up having a heart attack and they had to rush him to the hospital and he had to have uh, bypass surgery and he ended up surviving but he was kind of laid up in the hospital for quite a while. So apparently what Dolby did is he went and he purchased uh, $17.80 worth of uh, butter, bacon, and beer and just all the worst shit you can think of, like White Castles, and and put it in a gift basket and sent it over to the hospital with a card that read, uh, I wish you had died. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And he said his manager at the time called him up, and he was like, you know, off the record, probably one of the funniest things I've ever heard about but on the record, like, what are you doing, you know, it's like, come on, you're gonna really get yourself in trouble, but yeah, it's just, you know, the Fry Guy, Dobie Maxwell, I'm sure there's tons of other stories that, that I've heard over the years that, that are my favorite road stories, there's tons of books that people have written, uh, that have great road stories in them, if you're, If you're interested in that type of stuff, you know, just go to Amazon and look up comedy road stories. There's, uh, David Crow did a great book that was called If You're on a Tribble Run, When, or something like that, where it was all about doing Tribble Runs, which is, uh, Tribble's a guy that books a bunch of really horrible gigs out in the, uh, the western United States. And he gets mad when I call him horrible, but it's just like when your Wednesday is 11 hours from your Thursday and you go to do the gig and it starts at like 11 o'clock and everybody's drunk and the dance party starts at like 1.30 and they're all popped up for dancing. It's just, it's a bad scenario. Um, but yeah, hope you enjoyed these uh, few road stories that I had for you and uh, you can always get the podcast at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, tuned in wherever podcasts, uh, exist, and, uh, check out largedrunkman.com for my upcoming tour dates. I haven't updated it just yet as far as most of my 2016, but I will here in a sec. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, I appreciate you listening to the show, and tune in next time when we talk about, who knows?